Welcome, everybody. It is time for our second preseason episode of the Fantasy Alarm Hockey Podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Dewhurst. I'm joined by uh, Chris Murray. How are you doing tonight, Chris? I am doing very well, Andrew. Um, it is Sunday, October 3rd. Um, we are, I believe, nine days away from the opening of the upcoming NHL season. And uh, we're going to talk uh, betting, which isn't something we've spent a lot of time on. So uh, as we head into the year, uh, we're going to go over, make some picks on on the Hart, on the Vesna, on the Rocket, uh, on the Norris, and on the Calder. Uh, for anybody who might be interested in uh, in making some some future bets on these, so um, we'll kick things off with just. Uh, with the heart, I think this is probably uh, maybe the easiest and most difficult in a way because I think there's no, there's probably not any extreme long shots to to win this. Uh, so, uh, Chris, who do you like? Let t- give me first uh, a player you think has the most likely chance here of, of winning this. I mean. Like, imagine, I mean, we play DFS, Andrew, and betting against Connor McDavid usually doesn't end very well for us. So, um, he's the best player in the league. I expect him to continue that tear uh, this season. He actually maybe might have some help around him, which is different than previous seasons as well. And I could probably see him on pace. I mean, he was on pace for close to 150 points last season in a right had he played over 82 100. over somewhere in that case and i'm seeing some projections talking about like 115 or 120 and i'm like that's like that's nowhere near what it could be for him right like that's um just not it for me so again i that's the safest one you probably don't make a ton of money off doing it um, but just to remind people that Pacific division is a dumpster fire, right? The Anaheim Ducks are part of it. The LA Kings are part of it. The San Jose Sharks are there. The Seattle Kraken are there. Um, you know, we'll see what the Flames do. We'll see what the Kings do. You basically have one good team in there. and That's the, the Vegas Golden Knights. They are by far the best team in that division. And then the rest of it is just, I mean, whoever shows up. So. Right. To me, I think Connor McDavid is obviously the, the the easier pick. If I were to go to a long shot though here, and even that, I don't think it's a long shot uh, per se at all. I would probably give it to a goalie. I, I mean, Andre Vasilevsky could win a Hart Trophy. It would be tough because you're in a right year with Nikita Kucherov. You, you're expecting the team to be well. But if he goes out and has one of those years where you just stop everything, right? Like he would have to put up a crazy amount of numbers, right? We're talking about 40 some odd plus wins or, you know, a a goals against average around the two mark, a save percentage, probably over 935, which is not impossible for him to do. But I think he is above it at at, at 2000 here, plus 2000 on DraftKings Sportsbook. That's I mean, if I got five bucks, I don't need. That's a good way to spend it. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I mean, and goalies do win every so often, right? That's right. Uh, it's probably been a little while. I'm just uh, pulling up. Was Carey Price the last one to do it? I think so, yeah. Let's see here. And I think before him was Jose Pierre. So, I think he was the first goalie to do it. He won the Hart and the Vezina, which was the first yeah. time. He was a goalie. Price won in, yeah, Price won in 2015. Yep. And Jose Theodore in 2000. There you go, man. So, so basically what we're saying is right, maybe somebody else other than a Habs goalie might be able to pull off winning the heart. Yeah, which hasn't been done since 1998. Been a minute. Yeah, a few minutes maybe. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Connor, if, if McDavid won... He would be the first person to win back to back since Ovechkin in 08 and 09. Um, so 
you know, it, it it's it's not that rare. It's 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 pretty rare, rather. Um, but I mean, if anyone's going to do it, it's McDavid, because I don't think there's too much debate on what who the best player in the world is. So, uh, and I think if he puts up over 150 points, it's good night at that point. Um, for me, if I'm looking at this, I feel like. Well, I'm going to give three here. So I think McKinnon is a solid pick. A little bit better odds. I mean, plus 600. Doesn't have the upside, obviously. Like, if he ends up with, like... But at the same time, I think if McKinnon hits, like, 120, 120 points, uh, I think he has the advantage in the sense that, like, the Avs have a, could win the President's Trophy, right? Which is probably a... Like, I think that's something voters like. Um, and I think he also has the advantage of not playing on the Oilers, who have the last two uh, Hart Trophy winners also, which I think is a bit of a disadvantage uh, for McDavid. So um, uh, I don't mind McKinnon there, plus 600. Dreisaitl is interesting at plus 1,600. Like, we kind of forget that he was the MVP two years ago. He was had the second most points in the league last year. Um, if there was a McDavid injury and he missed, say, 20 games and Dreisaitl ends up winning the scoring race, I, I could see that happening. Um, picking a longer shot. Um, and not to go too far down this list because I think you get to, you can get carried away and just be silly. So, uh I think Barkov could be interesting if you look at uh, when you factor in how good Florida might be this year. Uh, they could easily win that division. I think that puts some eyes onto onto that team for awards. Uh, Barkov at plus twenty five hundred. Um, we you already know he's a solid two way player. Uh, was well over a point a game last year, so that one could be interesting. Uh, keeping in mind, right, if you're not familiar with betting, uh, plus 2500 meaning like $100 makes you $2,500. So um, that could definitely pocket you a good chunk of cash. So uh, I wouldn't mind Barkov in, in that space either. Uh, there's a lot of players here where it's just like, it's kind of silly, like it's never going to happen. Um, you know, probably just about, I would say, anybody past... And even including the plus 3,500s, like Peter Morazic at plus 4,000. If you're going to put $100 on Peter Morazic, you can just set it on fire. Right? Like, what would we're like? You talked about um, Vasilevsky at plus 2,000. Like, and we noted what had been almost 10 years since a, since a goalie won. Like, Morazic hasn't played a whole season in. I don't think ever in his career. He's probably never played 60 games. You're going to need that type of production to win as a, as a goalie. Um, whereas, like, he's got the same odds as Hellebuck at 4,000, Flurry at 4,000, who will both see that type, uh, that type of time in net. So, um, yeah. Um, looking uh, at the Vesno, as we're talking about goalies here, um, I'll take the first one here. So uh, I'm hearing a lot of buzz about uh, Thatcher Demko, and I think he he could be interesting at plus fifteen hundred if you're gonna if you're gonna be putting some money down on that. So uh, the thought here is that Vancouver should be better than they were last year. Made a lot of upgrades. Demko was a lot better than I think people realize a year ago. Um, and he's playing in at least a, a major Canadian market, so it'll get a lot of eyes. A lot of people don't recognize that even on a terrible uh, Canucks team last year, he still had a 9.15 save percentage. If that defense gets better and he can give you 9.25 and play, probably I, I'm gonna set the line that you're gonna if you're gonna win. The Vesna probably need to play more than 60 games. I think that's probably 
reasonable. Maybe it's 55, maybe it's a little high. Um, I think Demko's got a shot there. Um, if you're going to really roll the dice, um, I think the furthest you can probably go down here to find anyone with a in real contention. Uh, I mean, UC Saros could be interesting at plus 2,500. Igor Sisterkin at plus 2,000. Uh, Sisterkin also gets the big bump for playing at a major market. And uh, Sisterkin, when he played, uh, was really good for the Rangers. Uh, also 916. Uh, I think that was a bit of a slump at the end, but like 916 save percentage uh, if he can get that up over 920, probably 925, right? Rangers can make the playoffs. Uh, and he can get the majority of the starts, which he should. Uh, I like Shesterkin at, at that number as well. We you literally stole QC Saros out of my mouth because that was also the long shot I was thinking of as well. He's, I mean, he's a good, he's a good goalie, right? He's, he's, he's just a good goalie on a bad team now. He has yeah, the, the John Gibson effect. Right, and which is going to be tough, though, right? Because I think voters are still going to look at, at goalie wins as oh, a is. terrible stat as they are and completely irrelevant. Um, I don't... I feel like we're not at the point yet where, like, hockey voters are ready to just be like, just hand the award to the person with uh, the best save percentage, the best goal save to have average, and all that type of stuff. That's also fair. I would pick one here that I think people are just going to absolutely forget about because that's just how it is. Robin Leonard at plus 1,500 kind of seems like like that's like that number is too good to say no to. I mean, we, we almost forget that Marc-Andre Fleury won a Vezina trophy and he's moved on to Chicago here. And Leonard has the net to himself. Like, I don't know about you, but if like, Laurent Brassois is not stealing starts from Leonard. So Leonard could see the bulk of the action here, barring injury, right? I think the yeah. additions of Patrick and Dodonov make the team even better than they already are. Uh, they're, you know, their top six defensively is really, really good. They're deep up. For, I mean, this could be an easy, easy one for him. In a division, like I said, that is just so bad at doing everything. I that that's one that I would I, I would feel very comfortable about taking a shot at at plus fifteen hundred there for a goalie that's you know a little like I said Fle- is Leonard as good as Flurry in my mind? Yeah, probably. Yeah, They're probably on the same level. So if Flurry was able to do it right, then I don't understand why Leonard couldn't do it. You could see probably back to back, you know, Vezinas coming coming out of Vegas and it wouldn't it, it it wouldn't shock me at all I think that's 100% fair and then we could probably get it um, but outside of that I mean right you touched on UC Saros a little bit there there's an opportunity for uh, something to happen per se I guess maybe if, again the odds maybe not as great but I mean Semyon Varlamov was pretty good last season here his odds are okay I don't yeah. like it per se, just because I don't think he's going to get enough starts to make it happen. I, I feel like he's going to put up good numbers, right? Because Barry Trotz, the system seems to fit Varlamov really well here. So I think that's it's possible, but it's it's even longer. I, I, I'm getting worse odds on it, right? If you're looking at it through DraftKings, than I would be Robin Leonard. And I feel like that is a just a mismatch of the number where it is. I shouldn't be getting plus 1,500 on a goalie who was... Uh, really, really good at stopping the puck, let's say. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the only other one, like, the other one that stands out to me as being misplaced, and uh, you'll have to forgive me for saying this, but, like, Carey Price at plus 1,400, like, I'm not certain why his odds would be the same as Varlamov. Like, we don't know when Price is going to play his first game this year. Right? We know that, you know, it was, per, I don't know what the precise odds or percentages were last year, but Jake Allen played quite a bit. He played a ton of hockey. <laughs> uh, so, like, betting 
on price here is just uh, just I would see as a mistake. I mean, you might as well bet the field, which is also pretty much impossible. This means you got to get somebody who's not even on the list. And Devin Dubnik's on the list. Devin Dubnik and Martin Jones and all Martin the way Jones. there. 10,001 on the Martin Jones. If you have a dollar you don't need, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, like Kevin from the office says, if anybody gives you 10,000 to one on something, you take it. And there you go. So there you, you go. If you, got a, if you got a couple of loonies lying around and you're not sure what to do with them, just ex- maybe just think there's a resurgence here. Like what happens if, let's say, Carter Hart gets, you know, done for the year? Martin Jones comes in and just plays stand up hockey, you know, gets his, his goals against average below three for the first time in what seems forever. A state percentage above 900 for the first time, and also what seems forever. Who knows? Yeah, and you know he wins like 40 games. There you go. And the Flyers take top spot in the absolute death Metro Division. All yeah. all things that could happen, right? Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to move on to the Rocket. Um, this one's a little bit more interesting, I think, because. I feel like it's a little bit more wide open. I mean, Austin Matthews is the obvious favorite. Um, but uh, I think there's some other other names here that, that could ultimately pull this off. Uh, who are you looking at here, Chris? I mean, like you said, I, I think to be with Austin Matthews to lose at that point, obvi- you, you can't forget about Ovechkin. I, I don't think he's going to slow down this year, so... Uh, at, at plus twelve hundred, I think that's a a good bet. He's won this title. I mean, I can't I can't keep count anymore. I think it's what seven times he's won the rocket now, eight maybe. Yeah, it's, it's, it, like it's a crazy amount of numbers. So he knows how to get it. Do I don't think he's going to slow down per se either. I I think he has more than enough in the tank to be able to get another fifty goal season out of him. The, the core there's is still there. The addition of Mantha just frees up even more. Uh, space for him. There's nothing wrong with there. I can't believe for whatever reason that DraftKings has Patrick Kane at plus 4,500. I mean, I just, I just don't understand uh, how he's on the same level as players like Brian Rust. Yeah. Patrick Kane can definitely score goals. Uh, some people forget, right? Because Connor McDavid was so good. He actually finished tied for fifth with Matthews and Renton in points. Now, points is one thing. That's fine. But he can shoot the puck. He can really fire away at it. And maybe some people are worried that Alex the Brinkat might take too much out of it. It's nice to respect Alex the Brinkat a little bit. He has scored 40 goals in the past. I, You know, we can see that being a thing. Um, but the right bringing back a healthy Jonathan Taves makes this team really good. And maybe people want to believe that Patrick Kane is now just the setup guy there, that he's just going to finish with a bunch of assists. And that's, that's where his career is going to go. But I'm, I'm not there yet. I don't think so. He can, he can score goals, right? Which is the thing he can, he can do it. And that team was historically kind of bad Chicago. They were, they they were a bad team that just kind of competed to almost getting to the playoffs, right? Like it's kind of one of those weird things, right? But 15 goals obviously from Patrick Kane last season is not enough. I don't expect that to be the case. That's his lowest total in his career, right? right? And again, he only played 50, he played 56 games, but he still had the same production assist wise. So for me, I think at that number, that's just too too not good in order to say no. Again, if I had a couple dollars lying there, I, Patrick Kane seems like a player I want to invest in. Yeah. A um, couple of players here really stand out to me. One, David Pasternak, plus 1,200. Yeah, um, yeah I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> like, he won the Rocket two years ago. Uh, he wasn't as good last year, but he was injured. So, you know, give, give him a one-off there. Um, on a Boston team that's, I mean, theoretically, right, the second line should be better with Hall there. Uh, 
and maybe take some of the pressure off to you know free things up a little bit more for him. Um, the other one that stands out to me, and this isn't this isn't really a huge long shot, um, but the number on Miko Rantanen plus uh-huh. eighteen hundred, right? Like he scored thirty goals in like fifty-two games. Fifty-two last games. Year. Right, so like he would have paced out probably to over 40 or close to 40 last year. Um, the other one that really stands out here, and this is obviously health dependent because we haven't seen a full season of this in a while, and that's Max Pacioretty. Yeah. Like plus 3,500. Like if Vegas. Players, I mean, players who take shots, right? Like, you, you yeah, figure yeah, that just. You gotta shoot it, the, puck, the score. <laughs> yeah, like it increases their opportunity, right? Which is something that all these past winners have done, right? Matthew shoots the puck a bunch. Ovechkin, we know, just fires everything yeah. on goal. Pasta, the same thing. This, the secret, yeah, there, it's not a secret, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's, if you shoot, you will, may score goals. Yeah. Eventually, it's going to go in the net. Yeah. So. Uh, so those ones are interesting to me. Um, we'll move on to the Norris here. Uh, this one, uh, the Norris is, at least from my perspective, just a, a giant roll of the dice, right? Like, um, Adam Fox, I believe, won last year, right? He comes in plus 700. Uh, Makar is the favorite. No big surprise there um, at plus 350. Uh, but, I mean, we talk about goalies being voodoo. It's been a while since we had a back-to-back winner of, of the Norris. Um, and I think how we measure defensemen is also changing a little bit as well. So, like, previously, I think things like plus minus and stuff like that started to were in play. Um, but that's definitely not the case anymore. Like I think Fox winning really like showed me at least that those voters are starting to turn the corner on what we should expect. Um, and that points as being a more or certainly starting to be more and more upfront. Uh, I think we haven't seen uh, the defenseman at the most points win the Norris it's 2017 when Brent Burns won. Um, if it wasn't that one, it would have been dunking at her uh, Eric Carlson in 2015 because he definitely led all defensemen at points. So uh, some guys here that stand out to me. I mean, Makar, I think at plus 350, if he can stay healthy, he was point per game last year. Uh, if he gives, If he puts up 82 points, forget it. There's no way he doesn't win. Um, another guy, though, that's a little bit more of a longer shot that I think could be really interesting here is John Carlson. Uh, we still, like, Washington still has no lack of talent. We talked about that with, with Ovechkin. And Carlson's been really consistent. So, like, I think he has, like, over the last three seasons, no defenseman, I believe, has scored more points than John Carlson has. Um, so if he keeps all of that together in one season, as good possession numbers, everything plays out, um, Carlson at plus 2,000 is one that could really pay off. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, in my mind, I feel like it's going to decide between, you know, Kale McCarr, Victor Hadman, Adam Fox, right? Assuming they all stay healthy and they all do what they need to do, right? So that's kind of where... It's just it is right. Like I feel like those are just the top leaders of it, and that's just how it's going to be, right? It's tough for defensemen who are not in that realm to win. Let me bring you back to this time last year. Not a single person was saying Adam Fox. Not a single person. You're right. Not a single person talked about Adam Fox. But now he's here. Right. But last year it would have been like, oh, it's it's got to be like Hedman or Yossi or Carlson. Right. Somewhere in that. Right. conversation and they weren't bad it's just adam fox was really you know he was really good <laughs> he went yeah, out there and yeah. he proved it i think for me the two players i would target and these ones again are farther out right if you want to 
hedge a little bit here. Aaron Eckblad, another one, plus 2,000. Right, He was really good before he got hurt. Florida, obviously, is a good team. Aaron Eckblad now doesn't have Keith Yandel standing around him. Um, Mackenzie Weger is a good defenseman, but I don't think there's a ton of support outside of that. Like Florida's a good team overall, I would say, yeah. but they do have some holes, and that hole is right. Sergey Bobrovsky. Their defense is good, but it's nothing to write home about. Right? Well, we're not stopping. We're not stopping the world there to tell you that right. the Florida Panthers have this elite defense. So that, to me, I think is one here. I'll go obviously down the board here because. Nobody's going to talk about him because you barely talk about his team. That's Jacob Chikrin, 30 plus 35. I mean, you know, Jacob Chikrin does uh, my love affair with him now is just like it's full blown. Like like nobody, nobody should know. I'm just waiting for the Jacob Chikrin jersey to be sent to be sent my way. He's going to get forgotten because he plays in Arizona. And there's this thought that he's not going to be able to produce. And that could be fair, but somebody's going to have to do it. Oliver Ekman Larson isn't there anymore. So nobody is sniffing around him. Nobody. It is his. He's going to play every minute of every possibility. I, I'm not going to sit here. I had somebody try to say, what about Shane Goss's bear? Like, can we forget him? Like, let's pretend he doesn't exist because he hasn't for a while now. And it's not Labushkin, it's not Strawman. Like it's nobody else has taken it from him. So he's gonna go out there and he's gonna do the best that he can. And he's gonna do a lot of those things that some of those traditionalists are probably gonna like, right? The block shots, right? We talk about defensemen. It's not necessarily all about points anymore. And Chickering does a lot of shooting of the puck, right? He was top five in the league last year in shots. Uh I don't I, I think he may have been top three. I don't think anybody else beat him out for it. He was that he was that that good at shooting the puck. He was actually, I'm going to pull it up here. He was second behind only Dougie Hamilton by four shots. So Jacob Chickering is going to shoot the puck a ton. He has no choice because Arizona is bad. He's going to block shots. We know that he does that as well. Um, will we maybe see some regression on his shooting percentage? Possibly, right? He shot 10% last season, which is uh, kind of cool, but it's a little bit up from his career seven. So I think maybe a little bit of the regression there. Maybe we see, I don't know, maybe 14, 13 goals, which is kind of what he's in the realm for. I think he probably picks up more points. So I could see him being a player who finishes with like 55 points. I wouldn't call that out of the question, even though it's the Arizona Coyotes. And again, he's just, he plays the position so well, which is what the Norris should be, right? A lot of times you like to target defensemen who are going to finish with 90-plus points, right? And again, they've been great. If you have, if you get a defenseman who's putting up a point per game, he's probably earned the Norris in some way. Uh, but Jacob Chikrin for, you know, plus 3,500 is an easy fiver for me there. That seems like a good shot at seeing it. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't disagree with that. Um, like you're I'm, getting better odds on Nate Schmidt, like no worse odds on Nate Schmidt. <laughs> I mean, Tory Crew, right. Adam Pellick, yeah, nothing yeah, against it's... them, but you shouldn't be in the state. Like Drew Doughty, Mark Giordano, and Jacob Chicken are all plus 3,500. Okay, like, well, sure, think of it this way if you're gonna take the field, which is every player not on this list, plus 2,500. Yeah. Morgan Ryan, uh, 2K, yeah. right? Cool. Jared Spurgeon, plus 2K, never again. Yeah, like it, it's not, right? to, to me, I feel like that's one that you kind of go down the board. You say it's because he plays in Arizona. Like people are just thinking the regression is going to be so bad for this team. And they are going to be bad. Like, let's not get it wrong, right? They're going to be a bad hockey oh, team. Yeah. But again, I don't think people understand just how bad this Pacific division is going to be. And he's, you know, he still gets well, the. They're points. in the central now. So they're in the central. Doesn't... You're right. Sorry, but even the central has some teams that are not. All right, my apologies to the Coyote fans. That's how much I follow them, but there's still teams that you can kind of pull out there. You know, the Blues are, you know, who they are. We talked about the Predators, man. Who knows? I know the Dallas Stars are good, 
But I mean, the rotation of goalies there—who knows? Yeah, they're they're gonna play Braden Holpe, which means there's gonna be some goals. There's gonna be some opportunities here. The Blackhawks are gonna be better, but Flurry's not gonna play every game there. It's gonna, you know, it is what it is. The Avalanche are good. Uh, I expect the Minnesota Wild to be very good as well. The Jets, who knows? Right? The Jets have some holes defensively, but they've had holes forever now. Um, the Jets should be better defensively this year. I mean, they I should be. They should that. be right. Yeah. Plus, what is it? Plus three K. Nate Schmidt here is going to really solidify that. But uh, that there's that there's an opportunity here. I know that the Coyotes are going to be bad, and they are. But Jacob Chikrin can be that player who can at least be a bright spot on an otherwise god awful team. Just absolutely awful. Yeah, true. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. Um, so yeah, it could it happen, hundred percent, right? Like, it's and that's kind of the thing with like betting futures, right? Is like the odds are you're gonna lose. Yeah. Right. Like, there's. Right. Like, don't mortgage the house. Just get a. Yeah. Take like, if you've got some extra money, right, like, yeah. even the favorites, again, aren't, like, locks by any means, right? Like, we haven't had a back-to-back winner since 2008. And I can tell you with great certainty, no one was picking Adam Fox before last year. No one was picking Roman Yossi the year before that. And no one was picking Mark Giordano the year previous to that one. So, like... It's probably a player to emerge, uh, and we'll find out who it is. But, I mean, at the same time, if you're going to use your hard-earned money, use it wisely, right? Yeah. Like, That's fair. Avoid, you know, Brent Burns and Chris Letang and guys who just have no chance, right? Like, um, I look at those players and just, like, just, just throw those away. Right, like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna take a long shot, take a long shot. But, um, yeah, you can be smart about it, and you got to think about it. Like, how I look at it is like you got to be able to imagine the path. Right, like, what are the things that would have to go right, and how realistic are those things? So, like, um, I'll use Ryan Ellis as an example. Right, like. What has to go right for Ryan Ellis to win the Norris? As you know, it's in Philadelphia. Okay, that's cool. Uh, but the thing people forget about Ryan Ellis is he's played 82 games in the season once. That's it. Got to say, well, how many times has he had 50 points or more? Never. All right. So we have to get over, like, probably not over. 50, but maybe even closer to 60 points while like delivering good numbers everywhere else. Like that's not happening. Right? Like there's nothing in the profile that suggests that um that a uh, I'm just trying to find his age here and I don't see it right in front of me, but Ryan Ellis isn't all that young anymore. Probably closer to 30 than he is to 20. So I mean, whereas like Chikrin, yeah, he's 30. Exactly. He's a little over 30. Uh, you can make the path, right? Like, you're like, hey, look, he's got to have a last, he has to have a career year. Okay. So, like, what's a career year going to look like for Chikrin? Right? Is it 60 points, 65 points? Could be somewhere in there, right? He had 41 points in 56 games last year. So he would have been on a, 60-ish point pace. Um, he scored more than 10 goals two straight years. So while 18, well, as you noted, the 10.2%, you know, 10% shooting, like a little high, we put it between the two years, it's 9%. At his shot volume, he could easily score, still score 20 goals. It's going to be a big plus. Um, and if he can... This is going to sound silly, but like if his plus minus number stays anywhere close to zero, 
think that's a big that's, like I think that's a huge help for him, especially knowing how bad that team is. That would he be was only minus six. He was only minus six last year. Which and is that, saying something because that team was bad. Yeah, that Kyrie's team wasn't all that much better than what this team looks like. So I mean the other factor that can play play well for Chicken is you got a new head coach. True. Right? Like style's gonna change. It could change. I don't know if it will or not. Um, but that's a factor, right? Like coyotes start playing, you know, more run and gun, things work out. You got a path. That's all. Uh, and I'll kind of leave that there. Um, last one here we want to talk about Calder. So I'll give you the floor on this one because I think you're, uh, we got some time and I'm sure you want to talk about the favorite here. So let's just go ahead and have I'm it. Gonna be, I'm going to be up front. I don't, think Cole, I, I don't think Cole Caulfield wins it. I think people think he like he's a really good player. I understand that. I think he's talented i think he could probably score like if you're if right trevor zegras had quote tweeted saying who he thinks is gonna you know like a bold prediction for like the season and he had caulfield scoring 40 and i was like i wish that'd be like great to have someone had a 40 goal score in forever but like people really tend to just underestimate just how defensive the montreal Canadiens are going to be Right. And there's a lot of talent on that team now. A lot of talent. But the assumption is, is that Cole Caulfield is going to be to me like if he's not playing with Suzuki. Right. And whoever else you want to put on the left side, it doesn't really matter at that point. Like that line is not going to be counted on for being a two way line. Right. Or their defensive responsibilities. And Nick Suzuki can do that, though. He is a 200 foot player. Right. So you bring in Dvorak. I think that's what more of his role is going to be there. Right. A good two way center. I don't know if you're going to match up Jake Evans against your opposing team's best players. If that's the role that you want to give him, you could try it. But at one point, if the Montreal Canadiens start seeing that that line, right, with Suzuki and Caulfield gets absolutely destroyed by PDO, right? If they can't keep up and it's running gun up the ice, like Dominic Ducharme is going to tear that apart. And then we're going to see Cole Caulfield rolling on the third line here with whoever and whatever. And it's going to happen at some point. And it's just going to be yeah. figuring out how long is it going to happen for and how much is it going to hurt him, right? Because we know that in Montreal, we don't always treat rookies well. And regardless of how great of a playoff Caulfield had and what he was able to do, he's he's still a young kid, right? So t- to me, I don't think there is a like I just don't see it. I'm not taking him at plus three hundred. That's just like I understand people want to think that it is, but it, it's not that. The player I'm going to think about more though is Marco Rossi, because I think the window for him and the ability for the Minnesota Wild to let him grow into it or at least try to dominate assuming he makes the team right because for me all this starts with him making the team but then again if i look at the center combinations in minnesota uh i mean again there's there's nobody here that is better than him right not yoel erickson eck ryan hartman they have frederick you know goudreau there Nico Sturm is there. You can throw Victor Rask and Nick Bukestad there for all I care, right? Like, there's one line in Minnesota, right? It's Kaprasov, Zuccarello, and what I'm hoping is Marco Rossi, right? Like, let the, the let that be your, you know, your big line if you want. I would love to see Kaprasov, uh, Rossi, and Kevin Fiala play together. That would be lit. That would be wonderful. But yeah, I always dream of color, right? That's, in my mind, great odds on on plus twelve hundred. I think there's a possibility that it can happen. I think he's also a little bit older, right? Which helps out here. I know he missed all of last season. I he probably could have come in late last season and maybe get a taste of what the NHL is and whatnot. And that wasn't able. That maybe brings him into a one year older. That could maybe help him. So I think that to me is where I would try to target here the rest of the field is kind of just there right they kind of just exist i think it's really hard for a defenseman to win rookie of the year uh just because we're always targeting towards players who uh score goals and whatnot i'd love to pick on someone like alex and but i don't think he's gonna have enough 
the, the numbers are just not going to be good enough to be able to get to where he needs to. And the same conversation for Spencer Knight. I know a lot of people want to think that he's elite. The man, kids played four games in the NHL. He's going to find out that, it, you know, especially for goalies, right? Like it's a lot tougher for them to develop a, it's also tougher for them just in general to win it. And that's through no fault of their own again. And we haven't even talked about Sergei Bobrovsky and how long he's going to be there for, because you don't pay, they they have what five more years, $10 million for Bobrovsky. Like you're not sitting him for all that time, right? Like you're just not going to do it. You're not going to put 50 million that you still owe ish, right? Cap wise on the bench and say, yeah, we're just going to leave this here. If you wanted to maybe think about trading him, you're going to have to play him and hope that he can figure it out. And the more he plays, the less Spencer Knight plays, which hurts his odds, which is why I'm not necessarily crazy about him this year. I'm not crazy about him until Sergey Bobrovsky is out of the picture, which who knows when that happens. But it's not that top field right now of all those players who could win it. If I was to only pick one, it would be Marco Rossi. That's the player I would target. Yeah, um, and that's with the information we have today, which is none, right? We don't know if he's going to make the team or he'll go past 12 games or anything like that. Um, He's got the best path to it, though, right? Of of all those players and and sitting in the spot that he needs to what, like what he needs to do to get it done. To me, I feel like he's in the best spot to make it happen. He has a spot on that top line if Minnesota will live with the errors that he's going to make and all that stuff. They don't have anybody. All these other teams where you're looking at players who play center, right? Like Alex Newhook, Quinton Byfield, like they have players in front of them. They don't have to play center. They probably won't. Or they'll shift to the wing maybe if they need to, or the support will be around them. Rossi doesn't have any of that. So they may just live with the fact that it's going to be growing pains at times. And this is something I'd note that could be interesting, though. So uh, other wild top prospect, also center. What if it was Matt Boldy who ended up in that spot, right? Because in this case, I don't think you're buying the player as much as you're buying that player's position in the lineup. Um, Maybe Boldy ends up in that spot, right? That is a situation I can see playing out. Um, and he's plus 3,000. So if I can buy one, I think I can buy the other. If, you know, if that's the reasoning, right? Like, hey, look, you, you know, if you're going to play with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, like Joel Erickson Act looked like a, like a good player, and therefore I think anybody could. Um, you touched on Quentin Byfield. I think they're really interesting thing about Quentin Byfield is even if he plays on the wing, I don't think it matters. Uh, exclusively, you obviously don't have to be a center to win. Um, although it helps, right? Like three of the last five have been with Matthews, Barzil, Pedersen. Um, but I think that could really help him in his position just because like Byfield can be dynamic. Byfield's really big as well um one thing i think people don't recognize is that like well lafreniere was the top pick as a winger one of the reasons why byfield wasn't is because he was so much younger and this also works against him because you know right like he's literally like not turning 19 until like almost the end of the year so uh if my field can figure it out and have, you know, 50, like say a 60 point season, you could very much be there, right? And like you factor in, you know, some market type advantages that he would have being in LA, if LA does really well, people get excited about the Kings. Um, I don't think it's really all that hard to set, to tell the story of like how Quinton Byfield wins the Calder. Um, and the other thing I'll note here, you, you also mentioned about, about Spencer Knight. Um, the only, like, I agree 
Bobrovsky's getting it a chance. He's getting it more than a chance. Paying him way too much money to give him, not give him a handful of chances. The Panthers have expectations, though, right? Um, so I think at the end of the day, if, if Knight's the better goalie and Bobrovsky is bad, which is, I mean, as we know, not certainly not out of the, the realm of possibility here, uh, he could see the majority of starts. We, we don't see goalies winning the Calder. Uh, but a long, like Steve Mason was the last one to yeah. do it. I was going to say, it's it's really hard for them to do it, right? So that's why I think yeah, their yeah. odds being so, so kind of like low. Right. I mean, maybe and, people I mean, are just expecting them, these goalies to be just completely different. And I don't think that's it. Right. I mean, defensemen, it's also hard. Right, like you could yeah. think I could make a case. It's for tailored like, for a forward, unfortunately. It is, which is yeah. unfair to you know the goalies and defensemen of the world, but it's mostly tailored to a forward to be able to win. Right, and I think so, out of the group that's there as well, right, things that may help players, right. Rossi is also twenty years old, and that I think yeah. also makes a big difference, right. The older well, you are, yeah. right, it kind of like there's when you look at these. Right. They're kids. Right. Which is, I think, why this also helps, let's say, a player like Trevor Zegers. Right. Like he's also 20. Right. And that's a big difference between being 18, 19. Right. And being 20 and being able to win it. Right. You well, just yeah. your your body at 18 is just not developed the same way to be able to play players where, let's say, in their prime, 20, 20, whatever to I don't know, 23, let's say, to 28, 29. Like, those are prime years for players. Those are big boys that you got to go against as well. And the situation as well, let's say, for Zegers is not, I mean, the Anaheim Ducks are going to be bad again, right? The only advantage he has is that he's played an NHL season-ish, right? He was okay, but I don't think they gave him as much as he needs, per se. I, I, I'm hoping he gets a, a better a better chance at playing with some talent, right? Because Ryan Getzlaff is still there, and you know how much the Ducks love to just kind of give him spots. But I think if you give Zegers some wingers, like let's say Contois, right? If you have Contois and Zegers playing together, you have a guy who can set him up, and you have one guy who can finish, right? So that's kind of that's kind of a good setup. How much of it happens is, you know, we'll see. T- to me, I think the rookie of the year is probably a player who's going to be 20 years old. Somewhere in that range. I don't. I don't think it'll be an eighteen-year-old. I don't think that's. The, there's no player on the list that I'm looking at going, offensive player that I'm saying, man, they're they're really gonna go off here, and they're really gonna do something. I just don't. I just don't see it. Yeah. And, well, and again, like situations, everything. Right. Right. Like, if you're not in a good situation, it's hard to succeed. Um, one name I'm going to throw it here, and I'm going to throw this out there because he's not even on the list. But I was looking at, um, uh, I, I was going through doing the projections for the Blue Jackets. Uh, Cole Sillinger is currently, according to Daily Faceoff, so take that with your grain of salt. But I think Daily Faceoff probably projects lines as well as anybody does. They have Cole Sillinger today playing on the top line with Patrick Laine and Jacob Borchek. That's a really good spot to be in. You can't even get odds on him on DK. You have to go somewhere else to get odds on him. But uh, if he's on the team, I think you'll probably see his, his name float into those lists. So keep an eye on that one. Um, and if you're drafting, right, like, not a bad, really late gamble because if that's the spot he ends in, it's not as if there's a superstar center sitting around in Columbus. And he doesn't have John Tortorella around him, so maybe right. we get a little He's not going to try to crush him with defense. Yeah, like he's not getting crushed to the bench for three minutes because he, you know, he lost a face-off or something. Exactly. And like, and, and like you said for Cylinder as well, like who does he have to beat out? Jack Roslevic, Boone Jenner? Okay. Like that's not hard, right? Even if well, let's say Alexander, Kessler, but... 
He was, but he was product. He was productive in a bad situation. Like, let's not think Jack Roslovic's a top center in the NHL. Um, Alexander Texier, another one, you know, player kind of floats into the lineup, but he can play wing as well. Um, we'll see what happens with Max Domi as well. I think he, you know, he's 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 not there to start the season, right? And we'll see when he returns. Yeah, but well, is like- it? November is it December even if it is November like what shape is that shoulder in right right like how good is like how confident is he going to be going into a corner right like it's one of those things for these players that sometimes have to deal with those injuries but that's a really good one as well cylinder I would probably spend a late draft pick if you're in a mid kind of side like 14 to 16 team league I think this is a player that you could kind of maybe get away with getting him late. In in a 12-team league, I I, I wouldn't draft him just because you could probably get him for free off the waiver wire. So you could maybe, you know, take a player now, let's say questionable or something. If your league has, let's say, like an IR plus, right? You stash away that player, you get Cylinder for free, and it didn't cost you anything. So, Well, that's what I like about using your last pick. It's like I want to jump the wire on my last pick. Just take a guy that could overperform that people weren't expecting. Because basically, like, once the season starts, like, if he comes out of the gate, he, if he even just has that position in the first game, he's going to get right. picked up. So, like, if you can jump that with your last pick, you're in a pretty good spot. So that's my reasoning, at least, for, for what it's worth. So, um, anyways, these are our picks for for the Calder uh, for, well, for the Calder for, for all these different awards. Um, so, I mean, it's a good discussion. I think it also is pretty relevant to, right? Like, I mean, I, I think to some extent, uh, people got a pretty good idea where we're at on, you know, players like Jacob Chikrin and, uh, and the like. Uh, but, you know, if, uh, if you've got questions, it's something you're interested in, um, by all means, uh, if you're not part of the Fantasy Alarm, uh, the family, if you will, uh, go on. Uh, right now, we've got to. There's a deal going on for the the pro package. Gives you access to us in Discord. You can ask us whatever question you'd like. You're in a draft and you don't know who to pick next. You, you can ask the questions. Um, that's the great thing about Discord it's a community. Somebody's gonna we're there to answer your questions more often than maybe sometimes we'd even like to be. So. Uh, with that said, uh, thanks for listening and, uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, uh, with DFS, uh, players and pricing, uh, heading into the first week of the NHL season.